Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. And uh, we're going to have a great time. Have you found your place in the Old Testament book of Hosea? If you've found your place in Hosea chapter number 10, and if you're able tonight, would you please stand? I want to read just one verse of Scripture, and then we'll consider uh, the context of this verse throughout the introduction of the message tonight. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. The Bible says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Now I'll tell you what I felt impressed of the Lord to do. I want to back up and read this verse of Scripture again and encourage each of you, if you would please, to read the verse with me. Can we read it together? I'm trusting before we dismiss the service this Wednesday evening that the words of Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 would get beyond our heads to the point that they find a lodging place in each of our hearts. Let's read this verse together, shall we? Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. With the help of the Lord tonight, this first night of your revival meeting, I felt impressed of the Lord to preach on this law. It is a thought that I could not get away from while seeking God's will for this Wednesday evening service. I'm preaching on the thought, a prophet's plea for real revival. And this is my prayer for this service tonight. Before we dismiss this evening, it is my prayer, as I believe it is the prayer of your precious pastor, that the prophet's plea will become our plea. A prophet's plea for real revival. Let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, I'm tremendously thankful already to have been here tonight. My, how the choir stirred my heart. The special singing has stirred my heart. Lord, I've enjoyed singing tonight about the friend that sticks closer than any brother. But Lord, as we sit here for the next few moments with our Bibles open, I pray that our minds and even more importantly, our hearts would be open to the truths of your inspired, inerrant, infallible word. Father, it's certainly my heart's desire to be a blessing tonight. So I pray that you would cleanse me of sin and self and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Knit our hearts together, Lord, if you would please, 
around these few Bible truths tonight. And we'll give you glory and honor in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please be seated tonight. When you study the Bible, you'll discover the book before us paints a beautiful picture of God's unconditional love for his people in spite of their backslidden condition. Of course, the historical record of Israel makes us aware of the fact that their backsliding eventually resulted in their fall to the Assyrians in the year of 722 B.C. However, even then, God desired to reconcile with his people and ultimately bring them to a point of no less than real revival in each of their lives. Now, that truth was clearly demonstrated in Hosea's own personal life, his rough and rocky marriage to a woman by the name of Gomer depicts that in the earlier chapters of this book of the Bible. However, that truth is also demonstrated in Hosea's prophetic ministry as well as over and over and over again, God here in the book before us can be seen stressing his desire through the pen of the prophet to bless Israel again, to touch Israel again. And such is the case here in the single verse of Scripture in which the Lord has led us to this evening. You know, I've always found it interesting that the Jews that God is addressing here through the ministry of the prophet made up a nation of uh, farmers. And therefore, God uses an illustration here in the text relating to their occupation that each of them could relate to. Just as there is something that God wanted Israel to see here, I assure you there is a reason God has preserved Hosea 10 and 12 in our King James Bibles tonight. There is something that God would have each of us here at the Amazing Grace Baptist Church to see tonight. Hosea writes again as he was led of the Lord to do so. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Here in the text before us, ladies and gentlemen, what we witness is no less than a prophet's plea for real revival. Consider the context of our key verse tonight. Israel at this point had sinned against God. Israel had brought shame and reproach upon the name of their God as a result of their own spiritual adultery. Israel at least at this point in their history stood in need of no less than real revival. And as I hasten to make application tonight, I dare say that if each and every one of us from the pulpit to the last pew in the building were to be honest, we would all have to say that we too, we too stand in need of no less than real revival. 
And of course, when I use the words real revival, I know I'm preaching to the choir. You've heard this time and time again. I'm not just speaking of a series of meetings that we customarily call revival meeting. That's not what I'm preaching about tonight. That is not the need of the hour. I believe the need of the hour is a time of spiritual refreshment, a time of spiritual renewal. A time in our walk with the Lord Jesus that each of us realizes that we too, just as Israel of old, have fallen short of God's glory and once again stand in need of confessing and forsaking our own sin. Oh, hear me tonight. I, I am a red-blooded American. And I'll be the first to agree with you if you were to try to convince me that we need a revival in America because we really do need revival in America. In fact, let's make it even more personal than that. We need revival in the great state of North Carolina. Amen? But let's make it even more personal than that. We need a revival at Amazing Grace Baptist Church this evening right here in Mount Airy, North Carolina. However... I am here to tell you this evening that none of the revivals that I just mentioned, none of the revivals that we just amened and nodded our heads at will take place until there is a first and foremost real revival right here in our own hearts. I know your preacher has preached this. I say amen to it. We need revival in our homes today. And from what I have come to understand about your recent uh, couples retreat, we do need revival in our homes today. I'm not looking at anybody. Why does everybody keep looking over there? I'm looking over here. I don't see that man on the corner up there. I'm looking over here. How many of you would say amen to the fact He's not the only one that needs revival in his home. We need revival in our homes. Can I get a good hearty amen right there? We need revival down at the house of God. Amen. But let me remind you this evening, ladies and gentlemen, real revival, I'm talking about real revival, will not begin in the homes and will not begin at the house of God. Real revival begins right here in our individual hearts. Real revival begins with me. I like the way one Bible commentator insightfully put it when he said each and every one of God's children ought to go into a private room, lock the door behind them, draw an imaginary circle inside that private room, stand inside that circle, and beg the thrice holy God of glory to send real revival inside that circle. Listen, I understand tonight that we all need revival, but I need revival. I need revival. And whether you realize it or not, you need revival. I need to seek the Lord's face in prayer on a more faithful, fervent basis again. I want to enjoy going to church again. If I'm not enjoying going to church, there's nobody to blame but me. If I'm not the sole winner that I should be, I can't blame it on Pastor Barker. I can't blame it on you. I can't blame it on the missionary that quit and came home from the field. It's not their fault. It's my fault. I need revival. 
Paul, what about you? Can I make a statement tonight before we dig into the few truths the Lord has led me to share with you out of this single verse of Scripture? I believe with all that's within me, God wants to send revival even more than you or I either one desire. And God, listen, God has stressed and is stressing that very desire through the pen of the prophet here in this verse of Scripture before me. So let's consider three things before we dismiss tonight, shall we? Directly from the text. First of all, notice the problem that reveals the why of revival. The problem that reveals the why of revival. Can I enlighten you to the fact, Christian friend, that you or I, either one, will never experience a real revival in our lives until we've come to the conclusion we need one. Let me put it like this tonight. Revival will never become a reality until revival becomes a priority. And revival will never become a priority until we realize the problem that reveals why we need one. Notice from the text the problem that reveals the why of revival. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, so says the word of God. Reap in mercy, break up your, notice the next two words, fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Please allow me to call your attention, if I may, to the fact there are two words that the prophet uses here in this single verse of Scripture, which in turn spell trouble for any serious tiller of the ground. Do you see the two words I'm talking about tonight? I'm, a talk about, I'm talking about those words, fallow ground. In those words, fallow ground, you and I see the problem that reveals the why of revival. Now, why did God lead the prophet to use those words, fallow ground? Well, he used those words because he knew these farmers, they would know exactly what kind of ground fallow ground was. Fallow ground is ground that one time might have been fruitful, but then the ground that had one time brought forth an abundant harvest was plowed over, left unattended, uncultivated, unsown, and ultimately unproductive. Fallow ground. And in those two words, fallow ground, you and I see the problem that reveals the why of revival. Now, I, I want you to do me a favor tonight. I, I want you, if you would please, to hold on to those two words, fallow ground. Tuck them away. We're coming back to them. And as you are holding on to those two words, fallow ground, let me hasten to ask you this question. Do you remember the Lord's the Lord's parable of the seed and the sower in Mark chapter 4. Do you remember that parable? 
In that parable, Jesus speaks of three things. He speaks of a sower. He speaks of seed. And he speaks of soil. Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some an hundred. Can I ask you a question? Having just considered those few verses in the gospel of Mark chapter number 4, what made the difference in the harvest? Can I ask you a question? Was there a difference in the sower? No, no difference in the sower. Same sower all throughout the parable. That's not where the difference is. Was there a difference in the seed? No difference in the seed. Same seed all throughout the parable. But where was the difference? What made the difference? Some seed produced no fruit. Other seed produced some fruit. Some seed produced abundant fruit. What was it that made the difference? The difference was in the soil. The difference was in the ground. And what was true in the gospel of Mark is just as true here in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 tonight. The problem isn't with the seed. The problem isn't with the sower. The real problem is with the soil. Why is there no fruit? Why is there no harvest? Why is there no reaping? The ground is fallow. The ground has not been cultivated, tended, or kept. The ground has not been broken up. The ground is fallow ground. I plead with you to hear me tonight. It is impossible to reap a harvest by attempting to sow seed in fallow ground. And Christian friend, could it be? Could it be the reason that we're just not as fruitful in our Christian lives as we used to be fruitful is because of the fallow ground of our own hearts. Can you remember a day when you loved to read your Bible more than you love to read it today? Can you remember a day when you used to love coming to church and hear the preacher preach more than you love coming to church and hearing the preach today? Well, what made the difference? Well, can I just say something? It isn't the sower's fault. Now, the devil wants you to believe that it's his fault, but it's not the sower's fault. You dare not make me believe it's the seed's fault. Here's the problem. Right there. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. But it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Let me just preach real plain this very first night. 
If you're not as excited about church, the things of God, your Bible, soul winning, the work of God as you used to be, there's nobody to blame but you. Here's the problem. It's the fallow ground of our own heart. I I feel pretty good. Let me preach even plainer. An unread Bible, an unstudied Bible is evidence of fallow ground. Do you spend more time on Facebook than you do in God's book? Do you spend more time on Instagram than you do with the great I am? You spend more time on X than you do getting checked out by God? An unread and unstudied Bible is evidence of fallow ground. A lack of faithful, fervent prayer is evidence of fallow ground. No desire to win souls to Jesus or to give to the work of those that do is evidence of fallow ground. Too busy with secular activities to get involved in the work of the Lord through the ministry of the local church is evidence of fallow ground. Fallow ground is hard. Fallow ground is stubborn. It is resistant to the sowing of seed. Fallow ground is hard. It's unreceptive. It does very little if it good at all to sow seed in fallow ground. That's why the preacher preaches until he passes out and people leave the auditorium of God's house unchanged and ultimately unmoved. The problem isn't with the sower. The problem isn't with the seed. The problem is right here in the soil of our own You will never, I will never experience a real revival until we come to the realization why we need one. Here's why I need revival this week. Because of the fallow ground of my own heart. Now, I'll tell you what. I love going to church. If you want to just go to church these three days, I'm in. I'm all in. I went to church nine months before I was born, man. I love going to church. And if you want to go to church these next few nights, I'll come and go with you. But i tell you what I'd rather have. I'd rather have real revival. Amen. What about you? Now, there are many reasons why I love to read and study the Bible. Many reasons. One of the reasons why I love the Bible is whenever the Bible reveals a problem, it always reveals a procedure that will lead to the remedy for the problem. Such is the case here in this single verse of Scripture. Because here in this one verse, the Bible not only shows us the problem that reveals the why of revival, the Bible goes on to show us the procedure that reveals the how of revival. I'm so very thankful that for those of us that realize we got a heart problem, fallow ground. For those of us that have reached the ultimate conclusion that our hearts are just not as tender towards God and the things of God as they used to be, there is hope. Let me put it like this tonight. There is a remedy for the fallow ground of our heart. And the remedy is right here in this verse of Scripture. Notice the text again, will you? 
sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Now, there is a very interesting point to make here as we consider the procedure that reveals the how of revival. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 is careful to reveal that there is a part, listen now, there is a part that both you and I play in the procedure that brings revival. Now, we read this verse of Scripture, and boy, we get tremendously excited about God sending the rain of righteousness. But you don't read about the product until you read through the procedure. There are some things that God expects from us if we're going to experience real revival. What is it that the prophet points out here in these verses of Scripture? Well, first of all, if you'll notice in the text, he speaks of sowing. Sowing. Now, these farmers knew exactly what that meant. They had literally done it time and time again. But this time, the prophet speaks of sowing righteousness as opposed to unrighteousness. If you'll look in verse 13, you'll notice that in Israel's past, Israel had sown seeds of unrighteousness. But God makes it abundantly clear through the prophet Hosea to his people, if they're going to experience real revival, they're going to have to start sowing the right things. They're going to have to deal with their sin. Now, I know that's not popular preaching, and it doesn't get a lot of amens, at least in the places that I'm preaching in. But if you think, if I think I can hold on to my sin and experience a real revival, then I've believed a lie of the enemy. The prophet speaks of sowing. Sowing righteousness as opposed to unrighteousness. The prophet speaks of reaping. He says in the text, sow to yourselves in righteousness. What does your Bible say? Reap in mercy. You start sowing the right things. You start reaping the right things. Then he speaks of breaking. God says in the text, break up your fallow ground. Break up that unopened, unbroken, uncultivated ground. Break up the ground that hasn't been tended to, uh, the ground that hasn't been fertilized, cultivated, or kept. And get back to church. Open your Bible. Spend time in prayer. Get back to doing the right. Dig up that bitterness. Deal with that unforgiveness. Break up your fallow ground. The Bible says in the 51st Psalm in verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you've been broken? Broken over a lack of souls, one for Jesus. Broken over an unread Bible. Broken over souls that are lost. Broken over the needs of the local church. God wants to send revival. He wants to touch our hearts again, but not until we break up the fallow ground. The prophet speaks of breaking. Then the prophet speaks of seeking. He says, and I believe it, for it is time to seek the Lord. 
Oh, and listen, I realize tonight when it comes to salvation, he's the one that does the seeking. But I'm not preaching about salvation here. I'm preaching about revival. And you know who experiences a real revival? Those that want one. You're not going to stumble upon a real touch and move of God. There is a price you're going to have to pay. And the greater majority of that price that must be paid is in the seeking. That is exactly why Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 55, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while, it is ne- while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon the psalmist said in the 34th psalm the young lions do lack and suffer hunger but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29 but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul Jesus said in the gospel of Matthew chapter 7 ask and it shall be given you seek and ye shall shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be open. The sowing, the reaping, the breaking, the seeking. That's the procedure. That's the steps we must take if we're going to experience real revival. So we see the problem that reveals the why of revival. We see the procedure that reveals the how of revival. But finally, we see the presence that reveals the when of revival. Let's read the text once again, shall we? Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. Can I stop right there long enough to ask this question? How long do we do those things? How long do we do the, the sowing, the reaping, the breaking, the seeking? Well, the Bible answers in the latter portion of the text, till he come. That's how long we do the sowing, the breaking, the seeking, uh, that's how long we do those things till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You see, me being here tonight doesn't constitute a real revival. You being here doesn't constitute a real revival. But brother, when he comes, he's bringing the rains of righteousness with him. You know what rain does? Rain revives. Rain revitalizes. Rain refreshes. Rain renews. Rain rejuvenates. And that causes me to say to the Lord tonight, Lord, I can remember a time in my life when my heart was more tender than what it is tonight. Lord, I just need to come clean with you. And just go ahead and confess to you, Lord, there has been a time in my personal life when I love to read my Bible more than I love to read my Bible today. 
Lord, there has been a time in my life when I had a greater desire to see souls saved than the desire I have to see souls saved today. Lord, I want to do my part. Therefore, I'm going to make a new commitment tonight to start sowing the right things. I'm going to do some breaking tonight, Lord. I know I'll do some reaping. If I start sowing the right things, I'll start reaping the right things. And Lord, by me praying this prayer, I want you to know I'm serious. and I want, I am seeking real revival. And God has told us in his word that if we would do our part, the sowing, the reaping, the breaking, the seeking, he would do his part. And when he comes, he's bringing the rain of righteousness with him. Can you imagine what's going to happen when the rain hits that fallow? Revival. I'll close with this true story. You've listened so well. I love preaching here. The little house that Cassie and I live in was built in 1927. We sold our house and sold our property when God led us away from the pastorate. We moved up in the northeast corner of Georgia, little town called Cornelia, Mountain Town. We love living there more than we've ever lived any, loved living anywhere else since we've been serving the Lord together. And so, Cassie, when we first moved into that little mountain house in North Georgia, she told me one day, she said, Scott, you see that hemlock tree out back? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, I'd like to put a, a bed of flowers under that hemlock tree. I said, well, there's no problem with that. That's what you want. That's what you get. That's how it's done, dear friend. <laughs> right there. And so I told Miss Cassie, it's no problem. I'll be home from the office Friday. I've got all day Friday. And I'll go out there and I'll break up that ground for you. So you know what I did? I went in the garage. And I got me a shovel, and I come out, and I reared back and tried to stick that shovel in the ground, and it was like the ground said, oh, no. I've been here a lot longer than you, big boy, and it's going to take more than that shovel to break me. So I put the shovel down. I went back in the garage, and I got my daddy's mag uh, mattock, and I took that mattock out there, and I reared back, and I took that mattock, and as hard as I could, I tried to break that ground. And again, the ground said, Oh, no. You're not breaking me. I tried everything that I had. I had some hole diggers. I tried hole diggers. I got on it and jumped up and down a few times. I tried everything. I know the neighbors must have thought a crazy man has moved in at uh, our house there in Cornelia. I tried everything that I know to try. So I went inside and I told Miss Cassie, I said, listen, there's a rental place down the road here. I'm going to get some help and I'll be right back. So I went to the rental place there in Cornelia and Pastor Barker, 
I got the biggest tiller they had. I mean, the biggest tiller they had that I could get back to my house with the pickup that I had borrowed, the biggest, most powerful tiller they had. And I kept thinking the entire time while I was loading that tiller what that ground told me when I tried to break it up. You ain't man enough to break me up. And I thought, I will show you. Before everything's said and done, I will show you. So I took that tiller back to my house, and I took that tiller out back, and I turned that thing wide open, as powerful as I could possibly make it. Had the tines in the front. So I just hung on for dear life and let those tines started beating that ground over and over and over. I'm telling you, for the first 10 minutes, I could hear that ground. It ain't a working. You might as well stop. I've been here longer than you. This is my ground. It's not yours. But you know what I did? I just kept, I'm serious. I'm sitting there going like this. And I'd do it about 15 minutes, and I'd stop, and I'd stand to the side, and my arms would still be going like this. Then I'd go right back at it, and I'd pick it up again. Another 15 minutes, and it would say, I ain't giving up. I am not giving up. So I'd stop and go over to the side and collect my thoughts again. But after a while, I'd go back, and I'd try it again. I am not exaggerating. I'm not just preaching here. I'm telling the truth. After about two hours of that, I just stayed with it. I saw very little evidence that it was doing any good. But after about two hours, finally, one of them times grabbed a hold of that ground, and it went. And it broke away a chunk. <laughs> and honestly, when it broke away that one chunk, I said, <laughs> Now who's the big man on campus? And so I thought, let's try that again. So I backed up and started it up again. And another chunk. And another chunk. And another chunk. And another chunk. It took me all day. But if you don't believe me, we got pictures to prove it. Today, there's the prettiest little garden. Prettiest little garden you've ever seen under that hemlock tree. But there was a procedure that had to take place before that ground yielded forth an abundant harvest. Ground had to be broken up. That ground had to submit its will to a higher authority. Now I want to tell you that's what revival is. You know what revival is? Revival is the softening of our hard hearts. We all want the fruit. We want the fruit of the Christian life. 
but many times we are not willing to pay the price. We are not willing to do the part to involve ourselves in the very procedure God sets forth for us in the scriptures, the sowing, the reaping, the breaking, the seeking. We must do our part if we expect God to do his. Salvation's free, but there's a price to pay for real revival. And I just wonder tonight, I just wonder, if there's anybody at Amazing Grace Baptist Church of Mount Airy, North Carolina, that's willing to pay that price. Now, I said it before, I'll say it again. We're going to have a good time. I look forward to going to church with you. But I'd rather God do something supernatural in my heart. Some folks are already coming to church.